As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. What's up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another episode of the Wizards Tip-Off Podcast. Chase Hughes, your host here on Saturday afternoon. We didn't get you an episode later in the week. Sorry about that. At Big Dap, D-A-P-P, was asking where one is, so here you go. And on today's episode, I've got Dave Johnson. He is the radio voice of the Washington Wizards, the radio party, one of the radio partiers. And we'll get his thoughts on Dwight Howard, Jeff Green, and the offseason that the Wizards have had so far and where they kind of place in the Eastern Conference. But before I bring on Dave, I want to address a few things. Uh, the Wizards' first Summer League game and also some thoughts, uh, some additional thoughts on Dwight Howard. We had our emergency podcast episode on Tuesday night. Once the deal went down, Chris Miller and I, uh, but you know, in the days since, I've kind of marinated on a little bit and, and have some additional thoughts I would like to share. First, on the Wizards' first Summer League game, um, it was a bit of a disaster overall. They lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They only scored 59 points, and by halftime, they had four assists and 15 turnovers. So it was an ugly game, which is to be expected in the Summer League. But most importantly, we saw some promise from Troy Brown, their first-round pick. Um, He had 13 points, shot 43%, had four rebounds and assists and a steal. Did have five turnovers, but um, I thought looked pretty good. He had a few deflections on defense. I think he shows his potential defensively he's got good anticipation you can tell he's just a smart player this guy's 18 years old but it seems like he anticipates what guys are doing before they do them and very good passer Um, one thing that stood out was he was really really aggressive with the ball in his hands I think that's what led to some of the turnovers but it's summer league it's not the NBA but he was breaking people down off the dribble and he was bringing the ball up the floor and you know Ernie Grunfeld just earlier in the week, uh, when Austin Rivers uh, was introduced after the press conference, I asked him, you know, you guys think you'll sign another point guard this offseason? They did have five in the playoffs, remember. Now they have, uh, you know, John Wall and Thomas Sadoransky. And he said, and Austin Rivers can also play point guard. And he said, well, don't forget about Troy Brown. Troy Brown can also play some point guard. So I would expect that to happen. Um, Troy Brown also showed how good of a rebounder he is in the game. Uh, you know, he averaged over six rebounds a game. At Oregon, So keep that in mind when you watch him play for the Wizards. He might surprise you for his size and his position. I thought Devin Robinson, their two-way guy, uh, you know, he's undrafted last year, entering his second season. I thought he had some moments. Uh, he's a very raw athlete, kind of like a Chris McCullough or some of these guys you've seen over the years. But I'm seeing uh, a learning process with him that I think is encouraging. Um, you know, his shot is a little funky because 
Um, the Wizards are changing his mechanics. He has a really low release point, even though he shot um, you know, almost 40% from three in college and was knocking down threes in the G League. He has a low release point, so the Wizards have been overhauling his mechanics, so it's kind of a work in progress. But he also uh, showed an ability to get past people off the dribble, which I didn't see from him in the Summer League last year, so I thought that was interesting. No Isuf Sanan, though. Uh, their second-round pick, only 18 years old, kind of a mystery man. Uh, I think all of us who watch the Wizards are trying to see what this guy is like, and he hasn't played yet, uh, you know, not in, in the States. This is the first time he's come to America, and he hasn't played in the Summer League through one game. So by the time you listen to this, we might have seen Yusuf Sanan, but I thought it was interesting. My theory on that is maybe the Wizards wanted him to adjust to the speed of the game Um by watching it on the sidelines first. You know, maybe they wanted him to kind of take in the game from that perspective. Another thing that stood out about Summer League Game 1 is all the Wizards that were in attendance. John Wall was there sitting courtside, Markeith Morris, Kelly Oubre, and Austin Rivers. And now Chris Miller, my colleague, um, had a video today on Saturday of Aaron White working out with the Wizards in Vegas. Aaron White was their second-round pick back in 2015. Hasn't played in the States, but that is certainly an encouraging sign if you're looking for him to join the team at the NBA level and potentially help them this coming year. They have open roster spots, so it would certainly make sense. He's the type of guy who could probably fill some of the void left by Mike Scott. I see some similarities in their game. Um, you, you know, played at Iowa, four-year guy at Iowa's got red hair, can throw down dunks, uh, can hit threes, can rebound, so that would be interesting. So before I bring on Dave, I just want to go through some numbers involving Dwight Howard. First of all, the contract. We learned on Friday that it's actually a two-year deal. He's got a player option for that second year. It's two years worth about $11 million. Now, people were freaking out about the player option. I saw it called a secret second year, secret player option. I wouldn't worry about the player option because think of what it would require for Dwight Howard to pick up that player option. Things would have to go really, really wrong, and then he would want to have to stay with the Wizards because if things go right, if things even go somewhat right, he's going to have all the financial reasons to opt out of that contract. This guy has made over $20 million for six straight seasons, including this year, by the way. He's getting bought out by the Brooklyn Nets. He's used to making way more than $5 million. So the odds that he opts in for $5-plus million seem really low to me. Um, and they would have to either go really wrong or go right, and somehow he'd want to stay and take less money. It just seems like very unlikely to me that things would go absolutely horrible, and then he would want to stick around and still not be able to get more money. Because think if even if he has a down year, if his numbers go down, he still can fall back on the numbers of previous years and say, look, I'm only 33. Why don't you give me a chance for $8 million, $9 million, or something more than 5.5? But I did an article Saturday morning uh, by the numbers looking at whether Dwight Howard is still in his NBA prime, and it's really an interesting case to evaluate because his numbers last year were pretty much on par with what he's done his entire career. He averaged over 16 points, over 12 rebounds, and about 1.6 blocks per game. His career marks are over 17 points, 12.7 rebounds, and 2 blocks per game. Offensive rating, defensive rating, comparable to his career averages, although his defensive rating was down as 104. No Wizards player last year had a defensive rating below 107. So he's going to improve them in a lot of different categories. Blocks, rebounds, he's top five in the league in totals and in percentages. The Wizards were bottom third of the league in both blocks and rebounds, so we can help them there. You know what's funny is that Dwight Howard put up those numbers, like I said a second ago, and they were similar to his career averages, but 
What's amazing is that he did it in 30 minutes per game. So, like, if you extrapolate that over per 36 numbers, which a lot of people like to see, and, and maybe and that gives you a better, uh, maybe a comparison to a guy who plays a lot less minutes to someone who plays a lot more minutes, then you're talking about some pretty serious numbers, like 20 points and 15 rebounds a game. Um, so that's pretty impressive in two blocks a game. Um, you know, and one thing I pointed out, for as much criticism as Dwight Howard receives for being a locker room cancer and not conducive to winning, this past season was the only time since he was 21 years old that he didn't make the playoffs. Uh, two years ago, when the Wizards played the Hawks, Dwight Howard was one of the best players on that team. They were the fourth seed. And four years ago, um, he was one of the best players on a Rockets team that made the conference final. So he hasn't won a title, but to say that he hasn't won anything recently is probably not a good representation. Now, there are some numbers that suggest that he has fallen off, that he's not in his prime anymore. If you look at win shares, he was just under seven win shares last year. Uh, when in his prime, he was averaging over 13 win shares when he was in Orlando from 2008 through 2001. Uh, bear with me on the numbers. I'm, I'm nerding out here because Chris Miller isn't with us. He'll be back with us on Monday. We'll talk to him from Las Vegas. Uh, but right now, I'm, I know I'm getting a little nerdy with advanced stats here. But when you look at win shares, his nearly seven win shares would have been third on the team last year. And his defensive win shares, almost four, would have led the Wizards. So I think defensively, there's no question, he's probably going to step in and be their best defensive player. The Wizards have potential defensively all around their roster. Jan Mahimi, Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre, John Wall, Bradley Beal. These guys can play defense. But Dwight Howard, a three-time defensive player of the year, even though he has dropped off, is probably going to be their best defensive player from day one. Now, another knock on Dwight Howard is his free throw shooting. Everyone knows that. About 55 or 57% from the free throw line last year on over seven attempts a game. Wizards fans, you're going to have to get used to it. Teams are going to send him to the line. He's going to miss a lot of free throws. It's probably going to be a liability to the point where Scott Brooks has to sit him at the end of games. Just prepare for it. It's going to happen. Um, you know, Maybe they'll go small. Maybe they'll have Markeith Morris and Jeff Green in the lineup late in games. Maybe they'll, they'll mix and match offense, defense. But it's definitely going to be something that the Wizards are going to have to try to overcome somehow. Also... Not as efficient as he used to be. Uh, Dwight Howard, 55% field goal percentage, lowest since he was 20 years old, the 2005-2006 season. Turns the ball over a lot and doesn't score very efficiently. So the Wizards will have to kind of circumvent that somehow. But I think the things he will help them with outweigh the risks. That's what I've explained on the podcast. That's what I've explained in analysis articles on NBC Sports Washington. And I think it's a good move all in all. I'll take the good with the bad, and I think the Wizards, their ceiling as a team is much higher than it was uh, just a week ago. So Dwight Howard, Jeff Green, Austin Rivers, Troy Brown, it's been a busy offseason for the Washington Wizards, and we got to hear what Dave Johnson has to say about the Wizards and their summer so far, and we'll hear from him right after a word from our sponsors. As promised, I have Dave Johnson in studio, the radio voice, play-by-play -play voice for the Washington Wizards. Uh, Dave, first of all, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Always good to talk Wizards basketball because, really, I think the, the summer's over. We're ready to go to the training camp now at this point. Once they start playing summer league, you know the countdown's really on. Oh, absolutely. The Wizards, of course, played their first summer league game and have a few left. Uh, but it's amazing how this free agency period period started because through two days they didn't do anything. And then yep. all of a sudden they did a whole lot. And you kind of take stock of it. And it's been a pretty crazy offseason so far. And I want to get your thoughts on Dwight Howard and... Austin Rivers and Jeff Green and some of these guys. But first, you are the party starter with the radio party. And That's I, right. I, and I'd love to hear, because I haven't heard this before, 
Um, how that all came together, because I think that's what a lot of Wizards fans know you for, uh, because it's become a big thing on social media, you and your co-host Glenn Consor for the Wizards games. Uh, tell us about the radio party and how it got started. Well, you know, radio is is a very personal uh, medium. You, you think about how uh, you experience radio, and often, you know, you've got your earbuds in if you're if you're listening and, and that kind of thing. If you're in the, you know on the metro and you're and you've got your uh, uh, earbuds in listening to whatever, and or you're in the car, and so it's it's a case of, of we're literally like sitting in the car next to you. Now we don't want you to tweet while you're driving. But right. <laughs> the, the point the point being, it, it's it, the radio makes a very personal connection to begin with. So a few years ago, in fact, it was a 2013 2014 season. We started just you know, throwing out our, our, our Twitter handles. And, and it, it was just as simple as that. And, and it's like, you know, if a tree falls and nobody hears it, then and nobody responds and, you, you know, it probably fades away. But then the next thing you know, people started responding and responding to each other and, and, and connecting with each other. And, and uh, uh, so the phrase, the radio party, was not something we came up with. It was something oh, that, that was organic. That was organic. A listener coined it at, at the end of the 2014 season, like, you know, this is like a party. And they started using the hashtag radio party. Uh, I believe it was a listener named Nat's Natitude. He went by Nat's Natitude was his was his Twitter handler. So that's Twitter handled. So that's where we believe the origination of, of radio party was. And, and, you know, it coincided also with the Wizards making the playoffs in 2014. So there was a lot of uh, of energy and you know, it was fun things like, I remember that first Bulls playoff game was an afternoon game, and somebody tweets in, you know, we're listing from a beach, Manhattan Beach, California. And then I mentioned, you know, well, let us know if you're listing on a beach. Well, the next thing you know, we, we start hearing from people that are on beaches uh, all over the place. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to say thousands were tweeting, but, you know, you get like a half dozen, seven responses from people that were listing on beaches. So it, it just became a, a fun way to, uh, you know, to connect with people. And again, it's it's not, we don't do it in in the middle of play by play. We don't compromise the action. But you want the, the the sense, and I think we all enjoy the sense that you know what I'm I'm a part of something, and I can communicate something, and I can share an opinion with with somebody. And as we uh, are in a world where we talk, we're, we're multitasking. We're always looking at our phones. We're always doing. We're never doing one thing. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but <laughs> but I think this is a healthy thing because we we found that it does uh, form a community. And then you have situations where people recognize each other. Like uh, we had a, a couple of listeners that were in a subway, and they realized, hey, you're so and so. They didn't know their name, but they knew their <laughs> they knew their Twitter handle because they saw me in a picture with them. And and oh, nice. So it's it's just a connection among fans. And again, that's what. You know, I think the fan experience is all about good times or bad times. It, it's a shared passion for uh, either the team or the sport. And certainly social media has, has added a new element to right. all of that. Um, right. you, you mentioned that that first playoff run with John Wall and Bradley Beal uh, when they played the Chicago Bulls, right? Uh, Marching Gortat, you know, that was kind of the early days for him. And before we get to the guys that they brought in and how they've done this offseason— your thoughts on Marcin Gortat, what he brought to this franchise and this team through five years as a starter and made the playoffs four times? Well, attitude, leadership, and, and also uh, the, it was a big part of the, of the team's success and, and making, the, making the playoffs. So uh, I, I don't think the, the narrative is as strong w- without him, with, without question. And I think, uh, you know, it's a situation this, this past season uh, – you know, I, I don't think, you know, that thing about, uh, you know, sharing basketball or everybody, whatever, uh, I, I think more was made of that than it really was. Um, and and I, I also think that, you know, people were talking about, well, he didn't want to change the way he would 
uh, play. I remember somebody saying that afterwards, and I said, well, "Wait a minute! You know, if you go back and actually listen to the the tape or the or his comments before the season, he was talking. And he says, "Look, I feel like a bit of a dinosaur in this league because the way the league is changing." He goes, and he and he was laughing because he was saying, "I'm not suddenly going to become a, a three point shooter." And and he was being know, realistic. He was being realistic, and he was laughing as he was saying it. He said, "I'm going to work on my tan and my six pack, well, not my three point shot." It's exactly <laughs> it's just being it's, funny. He was, and it was, but realistic. At, at 34 years of, you know, we're not, <laughs> he's not in the development stage of his career. It, it's not going to suddenly be a player where you say, wow, he's going to now have a baseline jumper like Elvin Hayes in the corner or whatever. So uh, I, I think he had just an amazing run here and, and added so much. And, and they'll say it was one of the best interviews as well. And, and, and a fan favorite because, uh, you know, he played with a lot of passion, a lot of accountability. Uh, you know, he would be the first to tell you when he wasn't playing well. I, I remember... Uh, one time riding an elevator with him in Atlanta. I forget who we played the night before, but he played very well. And, and I, I said to him, I said, you know, nice game tonight. And he said, well, yeah, it's about time because I've been, you know, sucking for the last five games. So he was uh, – he, he had no filter. No, there was no for filter. Better or worse. No, and like I just didn't as I quoted right. him. So <laughs> I hope I'm allowed to say that yes. on the podcast. But um, so I, he was a big part of the story. And, and you, you know, you think about the Okafor's unfortunate injury before we got him. Uh, if we were not able to get him, the Wizards were not able to get him, uh, you know, I don't know if that 2013-2014 that season goes as well. And I think a lot of the stuff that, you know, maybe people perceive that he created in the locker room was just all about winning and caring. Well, you know? and, 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 yeah, and, and I think there's a, there's a misconception. It's the biggest misconception. And all people have to do is remember a team is like an office. And that means there's days everybody gets along. And you know what? There's days they don't get along. All of them. And, and uh, I, I tell people this story that Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes really did not like each other. They were not, uh, they were not buddies. They were not hanging out. And I think sometimes there's a perception that, you know, it's just as a team, they must be just all hanging out together all the time. It's all good times. That's not it. They show up for work just like you listening to this podcast do and, and uh, you show up for work at your office or whatever you do and you, you work with people that you become friends with. You work with people that, you know, that's not really my buddy, but... I can work with him. So uh, the, the short answer I'm saying is, is you know, don't kid yourself. The Wizards are, un, are, are just the same as every other team. You know, there's guys that are, have friends and, they, and, they, and on and off the court, and then they're just work associates. And right. so I, I think that's – so I, I don't think anybody thought Marching Gortat and John Wall were hanging out together, but did they have success together on the court? As you just mentioned, you know, four uh, out of the five seasons uh, in, in the playoffs. So um, – yeah, that kind of stuff is is caring about winning. But you're you you know successful teams that are nice and just and you never hear any talk of of uh, you know tension. I've been a lot, around a lot of Wizards teams where everybody was always seemed like friendly and nice. We also had twenty five wins. Right, right. Um, yeah, obviously, Marcin Gortat moved on to L.A. It'll be great when he comes back to D.C. and when the Wizards play the Clippers because I would imagine even the people that had different disagreements with them will understand and respect uh, the impact he had on this franchise. Now, in return, the Wizards got Austin Rivers, a guy that we you know, have obviously known for a long time, son of Doc, played at Duke, really fills a need that the Wizards had to fill right. this offseason. Behind Bradley Beal, Jody Meeks is going to be suspended for 19 games. Um, Austin Rivers, what was your reaction when you saw the return that the Wizards got from Archie Gortat. Well, I thought it was strong, and it seems to be you could never have enough, you know, perimeter scoring and, and, and depth. Of three point shooters, three point and shooting, and and barely better have ten of them because that's the that's the way the NBA is is going. So I I think 
in terms of the the dynamic of the the team, it was uh, you know again getting back to you know Marcin Gortat himself admitting that um, you know he a back to the basket center is really not uh, you know a big part of the rhythm of today's NBA. It just isn't the three point shot and and the ability to score from the outside is is you know it is different from the way I grew up with the game uh, when there wasn't a three point shot. I'm that old and I still remember you know when the three point shot was introduced and I remember we were thinking. Uh, well, this will be something they use out of desperation uh, when the shot clock is is running down. No, and now it's 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 what you use on the fast break. It's you know that corner three, the corner three has almost become like the new layup. So uh, it's a changing NBA, and Austin Rivers, you know, certainly adds a dynamic that the Wizards have really needed for. A couple years, you're like, all right, who's going to provide that pop-up dimension? I think you can do that. Yeah, and be able to create off the dribble will be really nice. Right. They've had some bench three-point shooters. I don't think they've had a versatile scorer like this off the bench in quite a while. Now, obviously, the biggest addition they've made uh, was a, a pretty big addition. You're talking about a future Hall of Famer and Dwight Howard, eight-time All-Star, three-time Defensive Player of the Year, a guy who was on a bad Charlotte team last year, didn't make the playoffs, but still put up really good numbers. Now, that move has been a little controversial among fans. There are a lot more people than I realized don't like it. I think most people do, but it's pretty split. It's probably 55-45 or something. I'm just guessing from what I've seen on social media. Where do you fall on that? You like the move or not? Well, I, I think, you know, first of all, it's a move that, that uh, you know, when it's completed, it, you know, it, it catches you a little bit off guard. I, I, I don't know if I, you know, would have gone into this offseason saying, all right, Dwight Howard is going to be coming to the, the Wizards. But I agree. It's it, something it, that, like, the more you thought about, the more it makes sense. Yes, right? no. Yeah. And that's, and, but it, again, as I said, it was not on the radars as we went into this, the, the, this summer period. So, you know, he is, I think it's an eight-time All-Star, something like that. You look at the numbers he put up most recently in, uh, in, in Charlotte and, and what he can, you know, how he can change a game and, and dominate a game. And he's, he's still a, a player that I, I think, you know, we've, we've not, you know, and I don't know now at this stage of his career, but, but he's a player I thought would have had a, a better career than he has. And I'm not saying he's had a bad career. I'm just talking about championships now and other things because he's that – that dominant, and that's I'm I'm you know crediting his success. He's you know it's it's almost like and, and again it's not the same player, but but I expected him to be part of you know several titles because of of his ability to to dominate the game. I remember when he you know we just thought man this is this guy is incredible with his physical and his his basketball IQ and I you know I remember Orlando was taking out. Uh, bus benches saying, you know, stay, Dwight, stay. I mean, the, the whole city was getting behind, you know, him staying in Orlando. So, uh, you know, he's a player that, uh, from quotes that John Wallace said in the Washington Post, that, that you know, they have somewhat of a relationship. Dwight had one said he, you know, hopes to play with John Wall one day, and John Wall made some comment, again, this is quoted in the Washington Post, that, that um, uh, you know, well, you never know in this league. Crazy things can happen. Well, yeah, it appears it's happening. So, you know this guy can make a difference, and he's going to be—he's going to make—he's uh, going to be one more option that that uh, the opposing team is going to have to deal with. And so I think if you can add you add threats to your team that are serious threats, and he's a serious threat, and he's a he's a rebounder as well. And so uh, you know you need a little bit of that 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 nasty in there as well to to make a difference. So I, I think it's a it's a surprise in, in that I, I didn't think he was going to be on our shopping list, but as it comes to, to fruition, I think it could be a great benefit. And I also think, you know, he's at a stage of his career that, uh, 
you know, he understands that he probably understands. I don't know. Hopefully, him. he understands. Hopefully, he understands that this is this is a great opportunity to play with the John Wall and Bradley Beal. And he comes with uh, a team with an uh, you know established dynamic of of you know Wall and Beal now are, are getting of that age where it's it's very much their team. And I think he'll know that coming in, and and uh, and I think it does uh, give him a chance for a launching pad for success. Yeah, I think a lot of people look at you know what happened in Charlotte with him and consider it a failure. They look at Atlanta, even though they were the fourth seed, um, and you know obviously battled the Wizards in the first round. They look at that as a failure. But both those situations didn't have the John Wall and Bradley Beal, like you said. They're established in the locker room. Everyone knows whose locker room it is. They're right. all star guards. Dwight Howard, no matter how strong of a personality he is, he's going to have to understand that and defer a little bit. You're not going to step in there and say, this is my team. He's got to understand that. And I think maybe that dynamic will help him be more of a deferential player, I guess the word is. Um, But Dwight Howard obviously um, is going to make a huge impact on this team, either positive or negative. I think it's going to be positive. But Yeah, I I mean, again, I can't imagine it. Pardon me, I can't imagine it not being uh, positive. Again, you look at his body of work. He knows what he's doing, and and I think he's 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 a smart guy, and you know he's going to understand the situation he's coming into. And you combine those two things, uh, I, I think that that sets you up for success. Yeah, one thing that really stands out to me after thinking about this a few days is just the depth that they now have on their roster. Because Yamahimi, I think backing up Dwight Howard um, is a is a pretty good backup center. You've got Jeff Green backing up Markeith Morris uh, and Jason Smith, obviously in the mix. Uh, they have a lot of depth at small forward now. They had Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre. Now you add uh, Troy Brown, who can also play some two-guard and play some point guard. Thomas Adaransky, Austin Rivers can play both point guard and shooting guard. They have so many options that I think it's going to be something to keep in mind in February. When it comes to the trade deadline, they may have more depth and more assets to deal from. Then you, know, you can trade your picks. Uh, Troy Brown, if you wanted to, you could trade a guy who you just drafted in the last draft. They just have more depth and more options that I think they've than they've had in quite some time. Yeah, and it, that's going to help in a variety of ways. Yeah, no, it really feels that way. And, and also, the, then they have, uh, I think, a coach that in Scott Brooks that that knows how to win and knows how to uh, take a roster and and uh, you know maximize the talent. And and uh, again, my, my assertion on that is because I remember after the fifteen sixteen season, that team should have made the playoffs. That team should have made the playoffs. It was talented enough. They won 41 games. To make the playoffs. But, and, and that's that's why I'm saying that, because you could look to a dozen games at least that uh, they they should have won. Now, you're not going to win all dozen of those games, but if, if you go five and seven in a dozen I'm talking about, you're, you've got up to 46 games and you're, you're in the playoffs. That should have been a, a playoff team. Uh, I think there were, you know, it, it just was a team that for whatever reason didn't have the right, you know, your chemistry. And obviously Randy Whitman did a tremendous job getting this team, this franchise, and this team pointed in the right direction. But it, it seemed like there was some kind of disconnect there uh, that, that obviously, you know, led to a, a change in coaches. And that, you know, again, you cannot say enough about the, the job Randy did, pointing this team from where he took it over and the success he had with it. Uh, but then Scott Brooks comes in, and, and he takes a team that is, I looked at that 16-17 team on paper. I didn't think they were better than the 15-16 team. But – uh, they achieved much more. One forty-nine uh, game, and and actually, ironically, if you look at the numbers, you know they made the deals with Bogdanovich and, and et cetera to to try to get the bench better. But actually, before they made those deals, their winning percentage was even higher. Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't have made those deals; they should have. But the the, the point being is, Scott Brooks knew, knew how to maximize the roster he had even before it 
quote unquote got better when you looked at it on paper. Um, and so I, I think that's a that's a key part of this whole equation that that you know he's going to know how to maximize the talent. He he does know how to coach. He flat out knows how to coach, and uh, his track record of success, not only in Oklahoma City but here, is is no accident. And I think you know people say, well, he had Kevin Durant. Well, you know what. Um, he, you know, Russell Westbrook wasn't Russell Westbrook when he first got him, and, and he developed under Scott Brooks. James Harden wasn't what he's become. Uh, and I'm not saying it's all Scott Brooks that allowed them right. to develop. It's credit to the player, but it's also under his watch that, that those players developed. Yeah, with Austin Rivers, Dwight Howard, Jeff Green, it's it's going to be an interesting year. I think I can guarantee that. It's going to be fun. Dwight Howard um, you know, has a fun personality. He's a fun player to watch, so it's going to be fun. And uh, definitely looking forward to more radio parties this upcoming <laughs> yeah, season. Right. And uh, Dave, I appreciate you joining the show. Well, I appreciate it. And again, I think this is a team that understands that that last season, the John Wall injury was was uh, you know a blessing and a curse. I mean, it was a blessing in a sense that that I don't know if we discover the wonders of Thomas Sadoransky without him uh, missing that time. And, and maybe I'm using the wrong word in blessing, but. Uh, I think also missing him, you know, for not only that long period in the second half of the season, but even just the way his season started uh, dealing with those injuries, uh, you know, is, is a big reason why we were an eighth seed going into the playoffs. We're better than that, and I think we can be better than that uh, and should be better than that this year. And so that that's exciting because it's, you know, now that we finally got LeBron out of the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, I <laughs> think it, uh, yeah, it makes it even more interesting. Can't talk about the Wizards offseason without noting that. It's probably yeah. the best move no, that no, they no. made. Uh, believe uh, me, I, I, going through those Cleveland series is, uh, you know, yeah. 10, 10 years ago, I, I've, I've seen enough of LeBron James uh, in, in the same conference. Exactly. Well, Dave, we'll have to do it again maybe next time with Chris Miller. Look forward. I look forward to that, my man Chris Miller. And, and check me out at, on Twitter at Dave J Sports. Yeah, there you go, at Dave J Sports.